Spoiler warning, the following is an in-depth analysis. If you haven't seen this film, you might want to before watching this review. Defender is one of those movies that's hard to sell because its premise probably automatically doesn't make anybody want to rush to a movie theater. It's no wonder it took four years to sell the script and that it was ultimately made on a B-movie budget by a Canadian film company. It's about a mentally handicapped man who tries to be a superhero and stop a drug runner, and it stars familiar screen comedian Woody Harrelson. To most viewers, that's going to look like a generic, low-budget superhero movie on the level of something like Blank Man. When I saw an online trailer for the movie when it came out in 2000, I thought to myself, I'm not going to say this idea can't work, but you've got to try awfully hard to keep it from turning into something really awkward, unfunny, or in poor taste. It's written and directed by actor Peter Stebbings in his directing debut. And wouldn't you know it, Stebbings does what I least expected. Instead of making another superhero parody, and instead of making it a really black comedy, it's a character study, and I found it to be a pretty moving one. It has a little action, but it doesn't try to be an action movie. It definitely has a lot of humor, but it's not a straight-up comedy. With Defendor, Stebbings and Harrelson have created a likable and thoughtful protagonist out of Arthur Poppington, and were shown the world through his eyes as he's forced to see things for what they really are, rather than the black-and-white comic book world he thinks it is, and then rejects all that and tries to show the world what it can be. While it's certainly familiar with standard tropes of superhero fiction and it uses them to inform Arthur's viewpoint, the movie doesn't fit squarely into any genre. This could have easily been a work of literary fiction, and it's surprisingly not just for for people who like superheroes or who like dark comedies that stretch the boundaries of political correctness. It explores the mind of a mentally handicapped man, but it does so constructively in a believable way, and I think respectfully. It's not making fun of Harrelson's character for being mentally handicapped, and the comedy that comes from that fact, his quirkiness and his confusion about the world around him, is a lot of what makes him likable and what makes me root for him. I found Arthur surprisingly refreshing when I expected to feel awkward about him. This is the last thing I thought I'd say about Defendor before watching it, but despite its mature themes and R rating, I found it surprisingly accessible. The tone of the film has sometimes been criticized as being too inconsistent. Is it a street-level urban crime drama or a comedy about a guy who paints a mask on his face, throws marbles at people, and really thinks there's a supervillain called Captain Industry when he really just misheard his grandfather once when he said his mother, a drug addict, was killed by Captains of Industry? To expect a movie like this to neatly fit into a box would be to ask it to be a different movie, to distance us from our protagonist. We're asked to see things through Arthur's eyes, and he has a skewed superhero comic book view of things. I do think the film is a little clunky in its pacing. Some scenes linger a little longer than they need to, and I'm not crazy about the non-linear framework around Arthur's conversation with his social worker up until the last 20 minutes. I think that's done primarily to tease the audience into thinking we're at the end of the story in those social worker scenes, so we won't expect Arthur's death at the end. But I do think the tone is actually quite even, and the themes of the film tie all the elements thematically of superhero fiction, crime fiction, and a drama about the difficulties of a mentally handicapped man functioning in society. I always have a lot of respect for minimalism. Sometimes when you're working on a budget, it's easy to focus on the intricacies of creating well-rounded characters. The actors have more work to do in a story that's more character than action-driven because when there aren't a bunch of distractions on scene, car chases, explosions, elaborate fistfights, all the audience has to be entertained by is character interaction. That's not to slight great action movies. It's definitely an art to make an action film where all the fight scenes serve the narrative rather than the story just being a skeleton to work elaborate stunts around. Because of the 
nature of most superhero movies with gliders and pumpkin bombs and tumblers and flying around and such, minimalism isn't something I've had a chance to talk a whole lot about when it comes to superhero movies, but most of the story in this film is propelled by dialogue exchanges, and so what we can latch onto visually are details that tell us something about Arthur and how he operates that we're not told in dialogue. Everything about Defendor is well thought out and very indicative of the man we get to know. He doesn't have a lot of expensive technology because he makes a modest living at construction. Due to his lower mental capacity, as far as we can tell from the few moments we see him at work, his job is to stand there and hold the stop or slow sign on city construction projects. So he employs marbles and jars of bees as weapons and distractions, and he uses a trench club as his main weapon. For a guy with such a low IQ, we see example after example like this of his creativity, and that makes him immediately relatable. We also learn a lot about him from the way he designs his costume, all made from construction equipment and tools lying around the shop where he lives, unbeknownst to the city. So he has lights on the sides of his helmet, and his D is made of duct tape. Though I do question how he's living there for so long without anyone noticing. One of the main themes of the film is bettering yourself and then setting an example for others. Arthur manages to keep his simplistic worldview, but he also doesn't let his handicap hold him back. He doesn't let it define him, and most importantly, he never complains about it. He just tries to overcome it. The movie wasn't made until 2009, but it was written in 2005, which is ironic given that Batman Begins was also made in 2005, and the films have strangely similar messages. In Batman Begins, Bruce says that people need dramatic examples to shake them out of apathy, and in that film, it's his parents' deaths that make some of Gotham's wealthy wake up and become more active in helping their community. But I'm not suggesting that Defendor steals Batman Begins' story, or does it anything like in the same way. Ironically, it's the title character himself whose death at the end changes some people's perceptions and sets an example for everyone. He's also a bit like the more traditional comic book Batman in that he has ample opportunities for change, but he refuses to take them. And it's his ability to constantly endure in the face of danger, and also in Arthur's case, ridicule, that makes him endearing. He's told by his friend and employer Paul, the police, the crooked cop Dooney, nearly everyone, that he needs to stop trying to play superhero at various points in the film. And for many reasons. It's too dangerous, he's constantly getting beaten up and put into the hospital, he's going to get himself killed, and the big one, Paul's argument that he can be extraordinary without a costume. And he even proved it when we see in a flashback that he, in civilian clothes, once walked boldly in the middle of the street to stop a car from running over Paul's son. So why does Arthur insist on being Defendor when everything seems to be getting in his way, and people think he's either stupid, a problem, or in Kat's case, initially trying to take advantage of his obsession with being a crime fighter. This is where we really get into some of the superhero psychology I brought up about other movies and where, even though I don't think the movie is paying a lot of homage to specific superhero properties or that that goal is really in its radar, some classic superhero themes and ideas come to play that really influence Arthur's worldview. When Arthur puts on his Defendor costume, his whole demeanor changes, much like Clark Kent becoming Superman. His eyes go wide with intensity, and he speaks in a deeper voice, kind of like Batman. This is a man who's been looked at differently from everyone else his entire life. He grew up without a father, and at one point has to be told by Cat that everyone has a father, but that he just never knew his, because all he has to go on is personal experience, and he doesn't have the basic deductive reasoning skills most people have. He thinks he just never had one. His mother was a drug addict, and judging by how guilty she seems 
seems in the brief flashback we see her in when she leaves him with his grandfather, she was probably on drugs when she had him and is directly responsible for his handicap. He was inspired by superhero comics, these bold, larger-than-life figures who can do anything behind a mask. That's really appealing for someone who's used to being looked at as inferior and even stupid. And so he comes to think of himself as Defendor. He becomes the physical embodiment of his own philosophy. And like Rorschach, he can't stand the idea of not being his costumed alias. I wonder if that has something to do with why he paints his mask right on his face rather than wearing a cloth one. When he's finally allowed to go free after he goes to court for bashing up Defrobowitz's dry cleaning business and he's told he's never allowed to don the Defendor mantle again, he flips out and won't talk to anyone for days. He believes he's been doing the right thing, but more importantly, he's been doing the only thing that makes him feel relevant, feel like he's contributing. It reminded me that although superheroes are usually noble and selfless, they all do what they do, at least on some level, for themselves as well as others. And that's basic human psychology. Nothing we do for another person, no matter how compassionate or brave or even sacrificial it might be, is 100% without benefit to ourselves. We're inherently selfish creatures, and I don't think that's cynical. That's why we resist characters that have no clear motivations in a story, even for the good things they do. And one of the things I love about Arthur is the intense pride he gets at helping a fellow human being. He talks about bettering himself, and his philosophy seems to be that by bettering himself and setting an example for others, he's helping to make a better world. I think the smartest move with this movie at the conceptual level was giving Arthur a background that's representative of the tragic loss most superheroes have. Unlike Kick-Ass, he doesn't just say, hey, wouldn't it be fun to be a superhero? But it's also not as obvious as just having his parents gunned down in front of him. Arthur's mental handicap is actually treated symbolically as his superpower. And like other heroes, his greatest asset also becomes his greatest weakness. If Arthur had a superpower, it would be his simple childlike worldview, which allows him to easily put the well-being of others in front of his own. Obviously, his lack of intelligence also gets him into trouble, but since he doesn't understand the complexities of society, he doesn't know how to manipulate and strategize, so he doesn't try to use people to his own advantage. He wouldn't know how to. It's easy to be corrupted when you're smart enough to see how rules can be bent or broken. There's a certain appeal to Arthur's black and white values. He attacks Dooney, an undercover cop, on multiple occasions, even though he is an undercover cop. And Arthur says, when you break the law, you're a punk. When you break the law with a badge, you're a punk with a badge. Maybe oversimplified, but he was right about Dooney. The guy is using his authority as a cop to take advantage of Cat and use her as a prostitute. Obviously, the real world has a lot of shades of gray, but maybe it wouldn't have as many if more people could find it in themselves to think like Arthur, at least to some degree. Don't be corrupt. Try to stop those who are. I like the moment where Arthur asks his social worker, even though it was illegal, if she thought he was wrong for dumping Cat's father in a trash can after Cat told him about how her father had molested her and other children. And after spending a lot of time telling Arthur he wasn't supposed to do that, she can't bring herself to tell him that he was wrong. I think it's inspired that Arthur's handicap is a direct result of the crime he's trying to stop. He's the way he is because his mother did drugs, and being involved in drug crime is what got her killed. So he's going after a crime lord he thinks is Captain Industry. He takes things so literally that when his grandfather said she was murdered by captains of industry, he assumed there was one man he needed to go after, because that sounded to him like a supervillain name. This is brilliant, because he's going after a man who personifies a greater problem, even though he doesn't really understand that. So although this crime 
Lord isn't really Captain Industry. He certainly is part of the problem that led to his mother's death and his being born with a handicap. That makes it very personal for him, and it makes his story a very human one, not just a story about a kid who's a little slow and just does things based on a misunderstanding. So the villain in this film, Captain Industry, is really more of an idea than a person, and the crime boss is pretty generic and underdeveloped. Dooney is also a villain, representative of the corrupt cops in a lot of superhero stories that are the antithesis to the ideas the hero is trying to inspire, and the immediate roadblock standing between the overt bad guys and true justice. He's played by Elias Cateus. Yep, Casey Jones from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And he's perfect in the role, the rough cop who's given in to the dark urban crime life and doesn't care about anything but himself. But unlike Arthur and Cat, he's a little underdeveloped too for the screen time he's given. And Stebbings illustrates how good he is at giving his characters dimension, so it seems a little easy that there's not more to this guy. He certainly has every reason to be vilified, of course, as he's forcing Cat to have sex with him and helps the crime lord use her as leverage against Defendor toward the end by tying her up at his place and sending Defendor a note threatening her life if he talks about the information he has about their drug operation from surveillance he was caught doing. But a little backstory about how he became so corrupt would have been welcome. As a side note, I also don't care for the way he's taken down by Cat toward the end who shoots a bullet in his lap. I suppose that's poetic justice given the way he's violated her, and he's in a way her Captain Industry, the figure that embodies all the injustice that's been done to her in her life. But it's too on the nose for me. Maybe it is just me, but a sexual predator getting shot between the legs is almost a cliché at this point. So Defendor's got his costume, his tragic backstory, his supervillain, and Cat is his sidekick. She doesn't start off that way, of course. She's strung out on drugs like Arthur's mother was, and Arthur sympathizes with her because of that. He takes her under his wing because they both have something profoundly in common. Drug crime has, in different ways, messed with their lives. Like Batman to Robin, he tries to mentor her, to show her a better way of life. My favorite scene in the film is when Arthur asks her what she's good at. Without quoting the crude way she puts it, she basically tells him she's just good at being a prostitute. When he presses further, she says she got A's in English in school. Arthur perks up and tells her she should get a typewriter and be like Lois Lane. She asks him why he dresses up like a superhero, and he vocalizes the reasons I spelled out earlier. He says, superheroes aren't stupid, they aren't afraid. And I should note that that's the closest in the whole film where he even comes close to complaining or accusing anyone of mistreating him. He continues, when I'm Defendor, I'm not Arthur anymore. I'm a million times better than Arthur. And Kat says that's why she does drugs, so that she doesn't have to be herself. But Arthur argues that it's not the same thing. But you should want to be you because you're pretty, he says. To him, being Defendor isn't a way of running away from his problems, it's a way of fulfilling his potential, of being better than he is. Later, when Arthur goes into the hospital, she says to him, thinking he's unconscious, you ask what I'm good at. I think I'm good at running away. Like any good superhero to his sidekick, Arthur teaches her something about herself, and after he lets himself get killed, she changes her life around. The final scene of the film is Cat typing on a typewriter, and I have to admit, I kind of teared up a bit. You know, I said the movie isn't about showing a real-world superhero, but in a way, it kind of is. It applies these superhero motifs to aspects of the life of a man who could really exist, and although he puts on a costume, it makes all those motifs a bit more subtle than giving him a real costume bad guy, a sidekick, or having him take down all of organized crime all by himself. In the end, he presses on until he's finally killed, also a realistic depiction of what might happen if an untrained vigilante took on a whole drug cartel all by himself, but he isn't made out to be an idiot for doing doing this. A lot of the community comes together and celebrates Defendor for having the courage to try to change things, and callers on a radio show are used to great effect to illustrate different opinions that might arise. A lot of attention drawn on how low his IQ was 
and yet how influential he managed to be. Sure, he could have stopped what he was doing and lived a full life, and he had still done some good, at least in a few friends' personal lives. Paul is right that you don't have to be a superhero to do good or even extraordinary things. But as I said earlier, Arthur is living a fantasy, trying to make it a reality, and it has as much to do with being the man he wants to be as it does with helping people. He wanted to take down Captain Industry, and he did that. Yes, he was misguided, and yes, the problem of drug crime is bigger than he thought it was. He said that bullets couldn't stop him, and he was killed by a bullet. But I wonder if he hadn't come to a greater understanding at this point, that he really did realize by the end that he was fighting a symbolic Captain Industry and not a real one. And so when he says bullets can't stop him, I think he means it can't stop his idea of a world without crime and corruption. That idea lives on after his death in the community, and so he's right. I'm really satisfied in a film that ends in the death of a protagonist, but again, his character arc was about refusing to change, and ultimately, I found this to be the only possible ending. There is one major thing I resisted about the ending, however, and that's the unnecessarily ambiguous line that this crime boss may have actually been the one who killed his mother when he asked what her last name was. If it really is the same person, for me, that undercuts the idea of Defendor going after Captain Industry, because he wants to help out Cat and the surrounding community, and it just makes it straight-up revenge. Again, this could just be my interpretation, but I get the sense at the end that when Defendor says, you killed my mother, he is, at this point, meaning that men like him did that. But that's just my reading, and I don't have a whole lot of evidence, other than the fact that Kat does finally tell him that this guy isn't Captain Industry, and that she just wanted Arthur to go after him because she wanted revenge. So I don't see why he would still assume that this is the man who killed his mother. This is another instance of the movie kind of teasing the audience, I think, and that seemed to be going a bit too far. I don't think this film is suggesting that we should all go out in costumes and try to fight crime. What Arthur does is extreme, and I wouldn't wish dying young on anybody. But these extreme examples do seem to be what it takes to make people get out of their own heads and their own problems and recognize that they have a part to play in improving the world they live in. What impressed me most was the film's ability to put the audience in Arthur's optimistic point of view, so that a film set in such a gritty place with such dark story elements, drug cartels, prostitution, even child molestation, doesn't feel bleak, depressing, and unentertaining. I'm giving Defendor a 3 out of 4. And next time I'll be reviewing Judge Dredd. Stay tuned. Bye.